Hello Sharks, I am Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com here with a retro hand that took place a while ago. You can actually watch this entire episode at youtube.com slash partypokerlive. Thanks to Party Poker for letting me use this hand. And we are playing 2550 pound cash game with a 100 pound straddle. For those silly Americans out there who don't know what pounds are, no, it's not a unit of measurement. It is a unit of currency. Back in the day, it was about $1.7, so this is a pretty big game for back in the day. Let's get right to it. We have a, well, re-raise because there was a straddle. We have a raise from Phil Locke to about 2.25 times the straddle. These players are playing very, 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 very deep stacked. They're playing about 47,000 pounds deep. Gotta do some math. Even with a straddle, that is 477 effective big blinds. All right, <laughs> here we have a raise from Phil Locke. For those who don't know Phil Locke, by the way, he's been around poker for forever. He has one World Series of Poker bracelet, $3.8 million in live tournament earnings, and he had a TV show with Antonio Sfondiari called I Bet You, where they, well, they bet with each other. Genius, genius title, I know. All right, let's take a look. He raises up 2.25 big blinds. There's a samurai at the final table. Shout out to Neil Channing. Hello, hello. A lot of the, the big gamblers really from the London poker scene got uh, into the fray there. They were... Is that a samurai or a taekwondo person? He has a black belt. Someone let me know in the comments section. Is this a karate person or a taekwondo person? My parents did not teach me to do any, any martial arts. I'm a sad, weak man. Playing like three straddles at this stage. I mean, it was really a wide open game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lively. It was one of my favorite favorite <laughs> sessions. This one I played it, really enjoyed it. Live action. It's hard to think back, but at that time you were kind of on a a, a bit of a not not a, not a super deep bankroll at that. Time. I was were broke. You? All right, here is David Pete. His name is Viffer. He took the poker world by storm with his. Very, very unorthodox strategy. One time I played a hand with him at 25-15 no limit at Bellagio. Folds around to me in the small blind. I limp, playing $15,000 deep. 300 big blinds deep. You know what David Pete did? He looked at his cards and then said, I'm all in. <laughs> 300 big blinds, he ripped it in on me. I folded. And after I folded, I gave him a... <laughs> come on, man. Gave him a come on, man look. And he said, if you see a free $50 on the street, you're going to take it, right? He was right. He took it. Um, he gets in there. He battles hard. Anyway, in this scenario, I know the graphics are having a tough time keeping up with this. Um, Phil Locke raises 225 over around to Viffer in the small blind. He's out of position. He likes to make it 1,200, okay? Which I think is good. When you're playing very deep sect, I like big re-raises to do everything you can to cut off the implied odds of your opponent. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah. I was broke and I got staked into the game and you know, I think I won like 23,000 yeah. pounds and I was like, out. No lot of calls. Yeah. Yeah, so happy. Fine. I think I saw about 800 pounds of that light, looks like. <laughs> but you may look at this and say, why would you call with 8-7 high? Well, because you have a hand that has very good implied odds. Whenever you are in a scenario where you have to put in 1,000 to try to win, well, 47,000? You should usually take that spot when you have a hand that is suited, connected, etc. Like Phil Locks is. If that's an unknown comment, uh, unknown uh, what's the word? Concept. Goodness gracious! If that's an unknown concept, you make sure you check out my live cash game IQ quiz. Check it out at PokerCoaching.com/cashquiz to be sure that you know how to play these common spots. And so far, this hand has played out perfectly standard. Well, still out. So. <laughs> Ten. 
Ten to eight. But yeah, so Viffer, you know, the way he was playing, I mean, for him to have aces. All right. Viffer goes 2,000, so almost the size of the pot, and Belloc has a pretty easy call here with the middle pair. This here is just uh, a huge hand, considering what, the way he knows Locke has been playing. And... All right. Commentators are going on about how Viffer's very loose, aggressive, splashing, fine and good. Okay, fine. Turn is an eight. Viffer's first with pocket aces. Two clubs on the board. On the semi-crooked board. I want you to take a second and think about what you would do in this scenario with pocket aces playing uber deep stacked against a player like Phil Locke, who I think the general read is that he's usually in line, but he'll just sporadically get way out of line. I want you to pause the video and write what you would do in this scenario with pocket aces in the comment section below. The pot's about 6,500 pounds. We're playing super, super deep stacked. Would you check? Would you bet small, like 2,000? Would you bet medium, like let's say 5,000? Or would you bet big, over the size of the pot, 10,000? I want you to pause the video and write what you would do in the comment section below. This eight is pretty bad for Viffer's pocket aces. Why? Because he probably doesn't have a whole lot of eights in his range. And Phil Locke has a lot of eights in his range. Phil Locke could easily have ace eight suited, king eight suited, jack eight suited, ten eight suited, nine eight suited, eight seven suited, maybe eight six suited. And for that reason, I think you just need to check. I realize it's annoying when there are a lot of draws available, like you could easily have jack nine, nine seven, etc., or flush draws. But if you bet and get raised, it is miserably bad. And whenever you are playing very deep stack, that's a concern you realistically have to have. Also, when you bet and get called, you could still be in a pretty nasty scenario because your opponent can float you with all sorts of stuff and put you in bad spots on the river. So even though pocket aces is very likely the best hand at the moment, especially if you're playing against a generally loose aggressive player, you don't want to put yourself in a scenario where you have to face aggression out of position where you're really stuck in a guessing game, right? You want to do everything you can to minimize the size of the pot when you'll be putting put in a guessing game if a lot of money goes in. So imagine in this scenario, if Ifford just checks the turn, he can easily call a turn bet. He can check the river, easily call a river bet, induce a lot of bluffs, and do some overvalues from hands like pocket jacks or ace 10 or queen 10, right? And that's fine and good. Nice, easy poker. And the tough thing with this recommendation of playing a little bit cautiously here with pocket ace is that you is that you will give up a little bit of value sometimes, especially against your more cautious opponents who won't bet a hand like queen 10. But I think that's usually just worth it when you're out of position playing super deep stack. You want to make sure your checking range is well protected. And I think that's what we want to do in this scenario. Um, we discussed this concept a decent amount at pokercoaching.com. And right now we are having a sale for Independence Day. I know that uh, this game was played in England, but America got independence from England. And, and we're proud of it, I suppose. So make sure you check out the Independence Day sale at pokercoaching.com slash independence. Let's take a look at what Viffer does. Yeah, Viffer's... By the way, don't overbet the turn here. That would be a disaster. If you bet 10,000 into 6,000 here, then you'll make your opponent fold out all under pairs, and you're mostly going to get called by 10s, which, you know, you're happy about, but also the 8s, which you're really unhappy about. 
from they got an unorthodox style. He just bets so fast and big, and a lot of the time he doesn't even give himself time to think. He just reacts to cards as they come off. All right, 5,000 bet from Viffer. I, like I said, I think I'd probably check here. The only way you can really justify betting here is if you do have a very insane right, image like Viffer does. He, he does get in there. He does battle hard. And as you battle harder and harder, you'll inevitably get paid off by weaker and weaker hands. So while I would have just checked the turn, probably with the check call against most people, if I had an insane image, I could definitely see there being merit in betting. Because then your opponent's just never folding a 10 no matter what. They're, maybe they're not even folding a hand like pocket threes. So you can realistically get a little bit thinner value if your opponents think that you are sporadically insane like Viffer is. Uh, Phil like does just call. I like the just call here. There's certainly some merit in just going ahead and raising to try to get full value from a hand like overpairs or a good 10 or draws when we are playing super deep. Um, I mean, every once in a while, Phil Locke's going to be beat, but it's like basically never if he is just kind of unlucky. So I could see raising here being fine, but if you think Viffer is insane and he's getting after it a lot, you don't really want to raise because then you're going to make him fold out hands that are drawing thin or dead. Like imagine Viffer has ace high or king queen or king jack. You definitely don't want him to fold. And even if he does have a draw like jack nine, notice the seven's no good, right? So I think it's a scenario where you probably do want to call. As your opponent's turn betting range is stronger and stronger, you should be more inclined to just put in the raise immediately because they're not going to fold very often. But as their range is wider and wider and full of more very junky bluffs, you definitely want to call to give them every opportunity to keep bluffing the river. Question is, do you like this river bet? Or he's going to make a big one, Viffer. Or is it okay in the scheme of the whole thing about Phil Locke? I think if I played like Viffer had been playing in this, I think I prefer, an, you know, a big river bet. It's just because a lot of draws missed and, uh, you know, flush draws missed and doesn't ever expect uh, Phil to fold a 10. So commentator says here, Probably correctly, that given the way Viffer is playing, very loose, flashy, aggressive, that he can just go for value because Fellock's never going to fold a 10, and obviously there are more playable 10s than there are playable 8s. And, you know, could be true. Problem is, Jack-9 gets there too. Um, the commentator here does say that you should keep betting when lots of draws miss, which is definitely right, right? Um, because in this scenario, Fellock has to be somewhat inclined to bluff catch when lots of draws miss. And even though the Jack-9 comes in, Notice that Queen Jack misses, right? Which is certainly handy. Could be betting a hand like um, Queen Nine misses, clubs miss. So this is a spot where Villock should be somewhat inclined to find big calls. Not just because some draws miss, but also because Viffer is insane. <laughs> and for that reason, I, I guess I suppose I like betting. This is another scenario where I think you do need to be a little bit cautious, especially if your opponent is loose, splashy, battly. I don't know if Villock's just going to sporadically bluff it all in here. Some people will literally never bluff all in. Some people will often bluff all in whenever some draws come in. And this is where it's very important to know your opponent. I just don't know Phil Locke that well. And I have seen him just do some random things that I would have never expected. So the safe slash easy play, which may not necessarily be the most profitable, is to just check these aces on the river and then check call. But, you know, betting's fine too. Over to Phil Locke, I think the right players is just rip it all in. Whenever lots of draws miss, you want to do everything you can to make your opponents think you have a bust to draw. If you put in a min raise here with the effect of nuts, right, the full house, uh, when the river's a seven, that you know your opponent's going to get very, very, very suspicious. So I think really the only play for Phil Locke in this scenario is to put it in. He's doing a little bit of an acting job. Don't know if that's necessary. 
I don't think he said like too many words this entire <laughs> session, Locke. He just played the nutter ball. <laughs> so, I love the way he raised <laughs> Bill Locke, for those who are not watching, stacked up his chips and then pushed them all into the pot. <laughs> That's not very nice to the dealer, Bill Locke. Come on, man. But uh, it's pretty strong. He played this hand quite well. I think he makes the pass here. Does he, I think he played it well. I, I don't mind the bet. Oh, bet. I played so bad. You know, the way Vepper plays, he's bluffing a lot, and then he's in every pot. So you've got to like value bet thin when you play like that. Commentator does point out here again that you have to value bet thin whenever you're doing a ton of bluffing, which is definitely correct. The problem now is that what do you do when your opponent knows you bluff a lot? Is your opponent, in this scenario, Phil Locke? going to be willing to re-bluff you ever. And if they are going to be willing to re-bluff you on the river in spots like this, then you have to start finding big calls. I mean, this comes up in tournaments every once in a while where you have a bunch of loose, splashy, battling opponents raising, re-raising, re-raising. You'll see them getting it all in for like 50 big blinds pre-flop with ace-10 against king-jack, and you're thinking, what? But it's because they're all in there battling hard, right? And this is a scenario where I would not be shocked if Viffer talks himself into a call. Now... It is unfortunate that he has the ace of clubs in his hand because a potentially reasonable bluffing hand is the ace-x of clubs. So that's a bit of a bummer. Um, that, that's a, more of a reason to fold. Not a huge reason, though. You have to think the most logical bluffs or bluffs that would consider bluffing in this spot are going to be random, like queen-jack, queen-nine um, with clubs. The tough thing is that whenever you have a hand like queen-jack and clubs and you're jamming in Phil Locke's shoes, like, you kind of want your opponent to have random clubs because that's an auto-fold, right? Um and you're blocking those who have queen-jack. You probably can't have, like, king-jack and clubs or ace-jack and clubs, right? Anyway, a lot of people in this scenario will at least consider making the big bluff, but they usually won't do it. So in this scenario, even if you are a viffer with this insane image, with pocket aces, I think this is just a pretty easy fold because while there are plenty of bluffing candidates, your opponent is not going to take every single bluffing candidate and bluff all in for 40,000 pounds on the river. They're just not going to do it. Perhaps especially with a little bit of a Hollywood, hmm, and then whoosh, slow plow of the chips into the pot. Not a bluff. I would love it if Phil Locke was bluffing here. Hollywood, <laughs> I don't really have nothing. I just want everybody to think I do. God, you're so dumb. I don't know what to do. Roberto Romanello in the background on the phone. Biggest pot he's seen in a while. He get in this game as well. It's gonna hurt no matter what. It's gonna hurt no matter what. This is like a no-win situation here. Yeah, I never saw this hand because I think I was sleeping after I played or I hadn't come on the, into the game yet, but I like the way Phil played it and I like the way Viffer played it so far. By the way, so you guys know. Biffer goes on to win over 100,000 pounds in this game. And this is probably one of the reasons why that he can make the lay down why did i bet this i agree with her wow and he makes the fold and biffer saves thirty thousand pounds that some people in this scenario who have loose splashy battling images talk themselves into torching so uh nice hand by both players that was, that was a good one that was a good one if you like this do me a quick favor let me know what you think in the comment section below click like click subscribe click the notification bell and make sure you check out pokercoaching.com slash independence because we are having a very, very sweet sale for you to my training site. That's going to be it for today. Good luck in your games. Have a great, great week. And make the most of your opportunities.
Hello. Do I have your attention? Good. You know I love to give away lots of free strategy advice here on my YouTube channel. So do me a quick favor. Can you click the subscribe button right here and right down here below? Thank you. See you in the next video.